Hey, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to season one of the Prayer House podcast. Our mission and vision is simple. It is to spread the gospel and good news to the ends of the world and to do it by building a community whose foundation is Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you enjoy this message and it is a blessing to you. What's up, Prayer House? Um, it is an honor and privilege to be here and to speak. Um, as Anu just mentioned, my name is Devin, and uh, that's all you really need to know about me. So um, today we're going to talk about and kind of continue on this theme of, of relationships. Um, now, <laughs> it's somewhat funny that um, I had this opportunity to speak because I am not an expert on relationships. I am not an expert on singleness. In fact, I have probably made every relationship and singleness mistake in the books. Uh, but on that journey, I have learned a thing or two, or God rather has taught me a thing or two, uh, that I'm hoping um, I can share uh, from the word, from some of the things that um, he's taught me that hopefully will bless you. But before we get into any of that, let's just say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just invite you into this place, and we thank you for who you are. Um, Father, I pray that um, your voice is heard, not mine, because this is your word and not mine, and these are your children not mine. Have your way in this place. Amen. Okay. So, uh, dealing with this idea of singleness. So, uh, singleness is not an attractive concept. Uh, that is not, when somebody says, it's like, no one never goes, yay, I'm single. You see, it goes, oh, I'm single or I'm single now. Uh, you know, we see hashtags like cuffing season, um, you know, it is, or whatever, but single, but ready to mingle. I mean, there's no concept of being single, or there are very few concepts of being single that people like. Most people think that they have a singleness problem, but the truth is most of us don't have a singleness problem or the people who are in a season of singleness that are single aren't upset about the fact that they're single. Most people don't have a singleness problem. They have a loneliness problem. They are not the same thing. They are not analogous um, and there is a big difference. One does not mandate the other. Those are two very separate things. I mean, and that's not me making it up. The dictionary says the same thing. So I just want to read to you the definition, definition though everybody here knows of what single, single means and what the word lonely means. The word single means only one. Mind blowing, right? Only one, not one of several. But the word lonely means sad because one has no friends or company. This is straight off of Google, so feel free to fact check me. But this is pretty much the definition that most of us associate with. Single means only one, but the difference is lonely. The difference is that in lonely, it says one has no friends or company. So still only one, but there's this idea of sad. So most people, that's what I mean when I say most people don't have a singleness problem when they're single. They have, they're lonely. Okay, so that is the question. If you find yourself in a season of singleness and you ain't happy about it, are you upset that you are single or are you upset that you are lonely? Because again, as we just discovered, there is a difference and one does not mean that you need to have the other. So if you find yourself, so ask yourself these questions and kind of ponder on this as we move through scripture. So you might say, all right, maybe, maybe the loneliness is a part of it because being by yourself sometimes does come with loneliness. And so the quick fix for that is in Psalm 139, a popular scripture, verses 7 through 12. And I'm just going to read from the message. It says, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, 
You'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Child of God, you may be single, but you ain't alone. Understand and believe you may be in a season where there, you don't have a significant other or um, like someone to lean on the way that society tells you that you need to have. Um, you may not have found your husband yet. You may not have found your wife yet, but you are never alone. And here's a tip. You were never alone to begin with. You never were, you never are, and you never will be. So that's this first misconception with singleness that, again, these are all lessons that I you know, learned um, much of it in the hard way over the years. Another lesson or another question. So the first question I want you to ponder on is, are you upset because you're single or are you upset because you feel lonely or you're alone? So next question. Are you looking to people to address a need only God can satisfy? Next question. If you find yourself in the singleness camp, but you find yourself feeling lonely and you have this desire for a relationship, I'm not, you know, I'm not here on a mission. None of y'all parents sent me here to tell you not to date, okay? Let me get that clear. I do not have an agenda. <laughs> but let me ask you this. If you find yourself yearning for that other person, which is a completely normal thing, where is that coming from? Are you looking to people, and I'll read this question again, to address a need that only God can satisfy? And this is what ends up getting most people into trouble. See, in the moment, you know, in the thick of things, in the heat of it, we're not really being introspective. But it's important if you find yourself in, I mean, and I would think that Corona has for many people brought around feelings of loneliness. You're like, man, my pillow's my best friend. We've been through a thick and thin. Um, and this is as good as my life's going to get. And so there is this probably for some of you even more of a need to find that other person. But what are you looking that other person to do? Are you looking for them to fill a void in your own heart? Because if you are, they're not going to do that for you. There are some things, in fact, there are a lot of things that no other person can do for you, that only God can do for you. Because if you lean on those other people for those things, I can promise you, you will be disappointed. Psalm 16, verses 7 through 11. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. And this is the key. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Most of what we seek are right, is right there. We are seeking the joy of his presence. We're seeking the pleasures of living with him forever. We're seeking for things and people that they cannot provide. We are seeking reprieve that only our heavenly father can give. And we look to his imperfect creation to meet a need that they were never meant to fill. No wonder you haven't found your significant other. Or if you have, no wonder you're not doing what you would have liked them to do because they were never meant to. Do not look for people to fix you. Only God can. And the problem with singleness, another thing is, most people 
or like I said, when I say most people, or when I throw generalities around, I'm talking about myself. So it's, it's all right. Okay. Uh, so not coming at anybody, but most people, <laughs> when they're looking for somebody or when they have this, this desire to, to find this partner, it's because, like I said, they're, they're lonely or they have some need that they don't think that, you know, that, that, that they're hoping that this other person can satisfy. But a lot of people are looking for other people to fix needs that they have in themselves. You are looking for people because there is a part of you that makes you uncomfortable. There are insecurities sometimes within us that we are hoping other people will be able to fix. Are you at peace in the silence? Most people can't stand to be alone. Some of us, I mean, like, like, like I said, growing up, some of you never like to be alone. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't really like being alone. Um, some of us don't like being in the dark. Why? I mean, and these are all fears that we have from being by ourselves. One, either because we're afraid of what's around us, but many times we're afraid of what it's like to face our own flaws, what it's like to face or feel rejection that comes from within. Most of us can't stand the deafening noise of the silence that comes when it's just you and your thoughts. No one can fix you. And we look for other people. And we look for other people. I want to read this passage from uh, Ezekiel. Uh, it's, it is, I, fair warning, it's, uh, I want to read like the first 14 verses. It, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's God basically just being savage for the whole chapter, but I'm just going to read the first 14 verses. Um, and he's talking to, uh, through uh, Ezekiel through, to Jerusalem. And it goes like this. God's message came to me, son of man, confront Jerusalem with her, violent, with her outrageous violations. Say this, the message of God, the master to Jerusalem, you were born and bred among Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, your umbilical cord was not cut. You weren't bathed and cleaned up. You weren't rubbed with salt. You weren't wrapped in a baby blanket. No one cared a fig for you. No one did one thing to care for you tenderly in these ways. You were thrown out into a vacant lot and left there, dirty and unwashed. A newborn nobody wanted. And then I came by. I saw you all miserable and bloody. Yes, I said to you, lying there helpless and filthy, live, grow up like a plant in the field, and you did. You grew up, you grew tall and matured as a woman, full-breasted with flowing hair, but you were naked and vulnerable, fragile and exposed. I came by again and saw you. I saw that you were ready for love and a lover. I took care of you. I dressed you and protected you. I promised my love and entered the covenant of marriage with you. I, God, the master, gave my word. You became mine. I gave you a good bath, washed off all that old blood, and anointed you with aromatic oils. I dressed you in a colorful gown and put leather sandals on your feet. I gave you linen blouses and a fashionable wardrobe of expensive clothing. I adorned you with jewelry. I know some of your ladies are just like, whoa. Um, I placed bracelets on your wrist. It gets better. Fitted you in and out with a necklace, emerald, emerald rings, sapphire earrings, and a diamond tiara. You were provided with everything precious and beautiful, with exquisite clothes and elegant food, garnished with honey and oil. You are absolutely stunning. You were a queen. You became world famous, a legendary beauty brought to perfection by my adornments. Decree of God, the master. See, the, so basically, if you continue to read on the chapter, it, it is ex extremely expressive 
stuff. And it goes on to show just for, I don't want to take this out of context and tell you this is all the stories about. No, because it goes on to show, demonstrate the fall of Jerusalem. And I encourage you to read that. But this is essentially this inception and the origin of Jerusalem. This is how Christ, or this is how God redeemed the Israelites when they were wallowing in their filth and their sin, when nobody cared for them. This is a perfect picture of what your salvation and my salvation look like. We were left for dead, naked, vulnerable, without love, but God. It says, I, the Lord, came. I, the master, gave my word and you became mine. I gave you a good bath. I washed off all the old blood. I anointed you. It keeps going. I placed bracelets on your wrist. I fitted you with a necklace. You were a queen. God did all of those things. Nobody else. Some of you are like, some of you look for validation. And when I, again, when I say some of you, I mean some of me. We look for validation in people. We look for validation in things. We look for validation and love that our creator one, in some cases, already gave us the kind of love, if you've never felt it, that only he can give. And most importantly, and most, I guess, important to understand, the kind of love that you would never get from anywhere else. It says, I, God the Master, gave my word. You became mine. Baby girl, if you went to your boyfriend and, and you're wondering why he hasn't been able to love you, he was never meant to. Homie, if you're looking for your girl to make you or make you feel like a king, she was never going to. Only God could validate you this way. Only God could give you this kind of love. Only God, only God, only God. This is a beautiful picture of what our salvation is like, but it's not a one-time thing. It's a revelation that we have on a daily basis because if it, wasn't, if it was just a one-time thing or if that one moment was enough and we would remember for eternity or all the, for all the days of our lives, we wouldn't have this problem, but it is a necessary constant reminder that even though you may feel as though nobody in the world loves you, but my God does. My God always has, and my God always will. So my point, how I led into this passage was the fact that we cannot stand to be by ourselves sometimes because we're afraid of what we'll find. We're afraid that nobody, if we go a season without external love from Joe Schmo or Haley Doe, <laughs> that we're not going to get it from anywhere else. Jesus loves you. Forget singleness, forget relationships, forget all of this. Jesus loves you. That's where it starts, that's the middle, and that's the end, because that's is, that is what is going to get you through the storms of life, through singleness, through marriage, through divorce, whatever season of life, of relationship you find yourself in, it is Jesus that can get you through it. So I talked about these different... Um, quick change of pace, but I talked about some of these different things that singleness um, like makes us face, right? I talked about how um, we don't like what we see sometimes with, when we look in the mirror. Um, and we look for validation, constant validation from somebody else. Singleness, and I, you know, I'm going to get really practical for a second. Singleness gives you an opportunity to fix things in your life that need to get fixed. I told you that other people can't fix, fix things for you, or we look to other people for validation, or we look to other people for self-worth, or we look to other people to try and make progress in ourselves. 
but there is some progress. There are some levels that you cannot achieve without when it, unless it's just you and God. And, I, you know, and it can get really practical. I mean, it doesn't, I'm not even trying to be talking figures of speech. If you don't know how to save money, it's best to try to do that when it's by yourself or it's better to screw up when you're by yourself than when you have a house, a mortgage, and kids who need formula. <laughs> do you hear what I'm saying? There are some risks that are just lower when it's just you by yourself. If you don't know how to run a house, if you don't know how to cook and to clean, there is a, that is exactly what singleness is designed to teach you. Except you're not gonna have your kachama yelling at you. That is the difference, okay? Singleness gives you an opportunity, like I said, just getting practical, just to fix certain things that help you in your growth, in becoming a Christian, in becoming a child of God, in becoming, again, like we heard last night, becoming the person that you look for in other people. It's not just, like I said, it starts and ends with the word of God, but part of being a Christian, in all things, do, as unto, do, uh, do unto the Lord. In all things, strive for that level of perfection. Singleness is also preparation for uh, the battlefield, so to speak, or, or marriage. I don't know why I called it the battlefield. I'm sure marriage isn't that bad. I ain't there yet. But singleness is preparation. My, my best example, my favorite example, and, and, and for any kind of preparation is, is David, right? I mean, listen, what David was doing in the fields and, you know, it, it, like, it looked nothing like what God, where God ultimately took him. It's like, you know, if, I, I wonder if David probably sat on the throne some days going like, man, I was like rotten and sweaty and smelly and I had like a hundred sheep friends and, and, and all to just end up doing this. I ain't complaining, but what did that have to do with anything? Sometimes this period of singleness, a period of being by yourself, it's preparation. It builds things, skills, qualities, levels of maturity in you that are necessary for the storms of life that you will face in marriage. I am not married yet, but I know enough about it to know that it is not sunshine, roses, and daisies. Disney lied to us. <laughs> if I can dispel that for anybody, I'm going to do that today. That's when, in many ways, the real work starts. When you're in a period of singleness, you get to do things when you want, how you want to do it. That is not going to fly, like I said, when you have a partner, when you have mouths to feed, when you have actual responsibilities. David, the kind of responsibility, the kind of ministry that placed him, he was responsible for a hundred sheep who didn't go where he wanted him to go. Well, guess what? It was because God was preparing him to be king over a hundred thousand people who sometimes didn't want to go where he wanted to go. Another example, Jeremiah, he was found training essentially at the temple. Samuel was in the temple. Where they started looked nothing like where they ended up but it played a pivotal role in what got them there. There are things that you are learning in your period of singleness that are not just somewhat relevant, absolutely vital that you learn now. Mistakes that you may make now that may feel like kind of out in the moment, but you know, you learn from and look back on. Those things, if you make that in the context of maybe a relationship or a marriage, might be irreparable. Again, I'm not trying to hear, I'm not, I don't have a vendetta against marriage or relationships. I'm just trying to tell you that singleness isn't as bad as people have made it out to be. There are things, especially for those of you that feel like, God, you just want me to be alone. 
I've been looking and searching and finding. It's because you are not learning what, some, what God wants you to learn in that season. If you have been somewhere for too long and you're like, why am I not moving? I challenge you, open your physical eyes, open your spiritual eyes and try to discern from the Holy Spirit what it is that God wants to teach you. Okay, moving on. So next point. I don't think, like I said, I, I don't want to make it seem as though like life ends after, you know, you get married. I didn't mean to make it sound that bad. But the truth is, and, and because I believe in the context of there are beauties of life that you will experience after marriage, right? There are levels of ministry that you may experience after marriage. So I don't want to make it sound as though God will just one day stop using you the second you say I do. But there are certain lessons. There are certain levels of spiritual growth that you will learn in your singleness. When Joseph, Joseph made all of his strides, and we say this, the, 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 the growth does not come on the pulpit, it comes in prayer, it comes in preparation. Joseph did not learn the things he needed to learn, he needed to become the second in command of Pharaoh on the throne. He learned it in those 17 years of slavery, of prison, of being single, of being by himself. Ruth was found working the fields when her Boaz came in to save the day. Rebecca was drawing water and served camels, not to some like hot dude that she thought would be her husband, just some dude who just wanted some water. Her snack attack was waiting 500 miles away. My point is, there are things that God is trying to, there are lessons, there are levels of spiritual growth and like I said, I, I want to make everything practical. When you are on your own terms, when you are living your own life, when you're living on your own schedule, you can, you might, you actually, you physically are able to spend more time in the presence of God when it's just you. You have actual fewer things on your plate. And I'm saying, I'm not saying that you can't do that after you get married, but if you don't build that habit when you're single, when you don't build that habit when you have fewer things on your plate, how could you possibly expect to do that? When you, have, when you have these things that we talk about, when you have a partner, how can you learn to be the, for the men, how can you learn to be the priest of your house if you don't even know how to make your own bed? It's that simple. Ladies, what, I mean, I'm not even going to go there because I feel like I'm just going to get in trouble. But you know, yeah. <laughs> My point is, these things that God has placed us in, these situations that God has placed us in, they're not accidents. They're not nothing. They're not, um, they're not because God hates you. They're not because God wants you to be bitter. If you, and, I can't, and I feel this so strongly, and I, so I'll say it again because I feel like somebody needs to hear it. If there is a season in your life where, that you think God has placed you for far too long, ask him to show you what it is he wants you to learn from that season. There's something there. All right, moving on. Singleness, and, and another thing that uh, I want to say about singleness is, uh, I was thinking about it, and in many ways, and kind of building on my last point, singleness, I feel like, is a lot like fasting. Um, and except with a different kind of thirst. So the thing is, when you are single, like I said, you, uh, the, the thing about fasting is, you know, you deprive yourself of something. Some people choose food. Some people choose social media. Some people give something up. And the idea is to create an environment with fewer distractions so you can receive an impartation from God. You can receive an impartation from the Holy Spirit. 
That's a lot of the time what singleness is. Some of us have been gone from relationship to relationship, putting our trust and faith in one person after the other and forgetting that God has been trying to speak us since the day that we gave our lives to him, since even before that. But we have not been able to hear him. We have not been able to perceive him because we have been drowning him out by the voices in society, by the voices of influence that we have given our hearts over to. Singleness is sometimes a situation or a position that God puts us in, sometimes to work on us, sometimes in order for us to develop ourselves, grow within ourselves. But a lot of times, it's just God trying to get to you, man. It's just God trying to get your attention because he's like, hey, 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 stay put for a second. Let me talk to you. Seriously. I, and, I, and, and in that sense, singleness is a lot like fasting because it is one less distraction, one big less distraction. Because, because, you know, if you want to talk about the way you're supposed to love somebody in a marriage, like that Christ-like love, right? It's a very involving process. But if you are not in, if you are in a position, like it, it is, it is, it's something that will require a lot of you. But especially if you try to yoke yourself with somebody who isn't aligned with the values of Christ, if you align yourself with somebody who um, isn't who God has for you, you're definitely not going to hear from him. Sometimes singleness is just a period where God wants to just sit you aside and say, my son, my daughter, let me spend some quality time with you. Mark 4.19 says, but all too quickly, and this, the, the message is crowded out, and the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. I'll read that again. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this world, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. Some of you have had promises spoken of your life since before you could walk. Um, every, almost everybody here or has, has either had or has known somebody that has had a pastor come and say some powerful stuff over their lives. And, and I, you know, and it's like, and, and we joke about it, but I believe in those promises. But what is it that has been keeping you from them? Sometimes, I'm not saying in every case, sometimes it has been the worries of this life. It has been the lure for wealth and the desire for other things. That is why. Singleness is also a period of protection. And that's just the truth. The world is not what it used to be. Not that we were around for it, but we, that's what our parents keep telling us, right? But the world really isn't what it used to be. And it, it's a world where we need discernment. All, all of a sudden, we know, I mean, we went from the dark ages to now we just know everything and too much, right? We don't know what is right. We don't know what is wrong. And we need discernment that only the Holy Spirit can give. A lot of times, that's what singleness is. It is protection. Solomon's heart was led astray. I'm not going to, and I'm not going to, like I said, pin this on his wives necessarily, but his heart wasn't protected by the Holy Spirit. He didn't have that discernment. He wasn't connected enough with God. Sometimes God knows that we're not ready. Sometimes, not sometimes, God just knows in general. But sometimes it's protection because God knows that if I let them have this thing yet, it's like no parent in their sane mind would say, oh, you're eight now. Let's teach you how to drive. I mean, if you have, that's all right. I'm not telling nobody. But, but just in a realistic sense, 
And why is that? It's not because the parent wants to deprive the child. It's because the parent wants to protect the child and everybody else, <laughs> right? But that's in many ways what God is doing. God is protecting you from somebody and God is protecting somebody else from you. <laughs> it works both ways. Singleness can also be a period of protection. I want to move on quick. And so, okay, so we talked about this idea of singleness um, and we talked about um, the idea of this idea of, of being like potentially lonely. Uh, and so now I want to talk to maybe to the people who are like, Devin, you're crazy. You just said a bunch of nonsense that didn't apply to me. Um, I've done all those things. I don't look for validation in people. You know, I don't look for um, uh, people to fix my problems. I just, it's time. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it just is. Well, to, to you, I say that God does not withhold any good things from you. God does not withhold any good things from you. In the Garden of Eden, if you read Genesis, that first few, those first few chapters, you will see that God addressed Adam's need before it was ever even a point of concern for him. God knows. He does. He sees, especially because especially you've been praying about it and reminding him constantly. He knows, he sees, and he hasn't forgotten. God does not withhold a single good thing from you. So stay encouraged. But the truth is, some days, like I said, you know, we, we're told, yeah, God is like the provider. God is like the only one who can fulfill, you know, but what I said before still applies. It is not a one-time thing. So what do you do? What do you do when you're in this period of maybe singleness? Maybe it's not loneliness. Maybe you're just like, God, I don't know how long I can wait. To you, I say, find fulfillment in God's presence. Not just, oh, find fulfillment while you're single. No, this applies to everybody. This applies no matter what stage of life you're in. Find fulfillment in God's presence. Proverbs 8, 34. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates. Are you watching daily for God? Are you waiting on him daily? Are you getting into his word daily? That's just it. It's a simple formula. He's waiting on you. Are you waiting on him? Because the thing is, we can come to a God who gives freely because everything else in life has a cost. Isaiah 51 verse one, 55 verse 1 says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me. You will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. God gives freely, A, what the world cannot give. And even if you try to get from the world, comes at a price, at a cost that will harm you that will damage you, that you cannot pay. The gift that God gives was not free, but it comes at no cost to you. The price of the cross is on a magnitude we will never understand, but the point is, it is a free gift for you and me. So we need to stop looking for it everywhere else. Because if we don't, we will be drawing from these things. We will be looking for it for years and years and years and years, feeling thirsty still. 
feeling like feeling unfulfilled you will be drawing for places from years and years until you find that fulfillment in christ my final verse of scripture john 4 verse 13 jesus replied anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again but those who drink the water i will give will never be thirsty again it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life when you seek from God, when God pours into you, not only are you satisfied, you become a wellspring of life that others will be able to be blessed by. And that is the calling that God has over every single one of your lives, whether single, whether married, whether in school, whether you're working, whether you, you, you play music at church or you don't. It doesn't matter what you do. The outpouring that you're speaking can only come from God because it wasn't ever meant to just satisfy you. It was meant to make you the salt of the earth. So I just challenge you. I just want to leave you with a couple things. If you haven't taken the time to know your God or you've, if you've never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, the truth is you have no business looking for a relationship because odds are there are things in your life. There are issues that you have. There are feelings of unfulfilled purpose and insecurity that you have that you need fixed that you're looking for to get fixed but possibly in the wrong place if you're still struggling with sin in your life if you're still struggling with impurity how could you be faithful how could you be faithful to anybody i mean i know this is coming harsh but really challenge yourself with these things these are things i didn't like hearing when these subjects were preached but it's true if you're supposed to lead a family Start leading your own life. Start be, being the master of your own life. Start being the priest of yourself before you seek to become the priest of somebody else or a household. Are you satisfied with God's presence? Are you content with God's presence? Are you delighted with God's presence? Really examine that in your life. God does not withhold a single good thing from you. He loves you. He cares for you. There is fulfillment that can only come in Christ Jesus. I have tasted and seen that God is good in my own life in every single one of these areas. And I'm not afraid to make that claim. I'm not afraid to go out on a limb and say that there is nothing that my God cannot fix. There is nothing that my God cannot heal. There is nothing that my God cannot restore. He can give you he, the desires of your heart so long as you delight yourself in the Lord. I don't know what stage of life you are in, what like stage of relationship you're in. Relationship is a good thing. But the truth is, we cannot go, go looking uh, from it something that only God can give. So I just encourage you guys, spend that time in, in God's presence. Find the fulfillment that only He can give. And I promise you, you'll find that um, you weren't looking, uh, you really didn't need somebody else. All you needed was God the entire time, or at least that was my story. I'm just thankful for this opportunity, and I pray that this blessed you, or, or at least got some of you thinking. Um, and if this is something that, um, that, that, this, that, that you're concerned about, that you struggle with, reach out to your spiritual leaders. Reach out to people. Find accountability. Reach out to the people at Prayer House. We will pray for you. There, we want to build a community centered around Christ by dealing with the issues that, that, uh, that, that, that plague people, that plague our generation. And this idea of relationships and singleness is one of them because we have been told lies by the media. We've been told lies by this generation and this world and by the devil. 
that we are not enough. And while that's true in and of itself, the truth is the answer and the cure has always been in the word of God. I hope you guys were blessed by this. Um, God bless. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray that the word of God has touched you and transformed you. His word continues to be a living and active source of life. And only through his word can we rejuvenate our own lives. So rate us and leave a review if you can. We really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching, keep listening for his voice, and we'll see you again next time.